the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our third hour. Delight and privilege and uh, important that we have Brandon Weikert with us. Brandon Weikert, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, X Twix, at We the Brandon, author of several books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Probably most importantly for today, his book, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm okay. And as I'm, uh, you know, talking about the shadow war, I would advise your audience not to run afoul of Twitter because I have been shadow banned. Oh, talk to me. What happened? Have no idea. I have no idea. Nobody will respond from Twitter, of course. And so uh, meet the new boss the same as the old boss. The only thing I can think of is that I have been gaining a lot of traction with my commentary on China and Taiwan, uh, which we've discussed here on this program before. Um, And for whatever reason, after getting 2 million impressions last month, uh, I lost dozens of followers, and my account has only ever gotten to 7,000 people, which is insane. For 2 million impressions, I should be up to tens of thousands by now. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, It's been going on for a while. That's so interesting. So they're capping you somewhere. They're capping me. They're capping me. Well, I have two things to tell you on that front that might make you sleep a little easier. Okay. One is Irving Crystal was once asked how many people read his magazine, The National Interest. And he said, that's the wrong question. It's not how many, it's who. Yes. <laughs> yes. William yes, Buckley, <laughs> not to be outdone, <laughs> William Buckley was once asked how many people read National Review. And he said, together with Reader's Digest, 1,500,075. <laughs> so I think in your case, let's go with the Irving Crystal answer. It's not the how many, it's the who. That's right. I agree. And I when agree. it comes to the who, I mean, I see people who respond to you. They're all, uh, uh, not all of them are smart people, but a lot of them are well-known <laughs> and smart people. So I yes, think you're reaching are. the right audience. I think so, too. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for that uh, confidence boost. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> I said today was made for you. What was the old Michelob commercial? Weekends are made for Michelob. I think you're probably That's... too young to remember it. No, no, I, I know that commercial. I, I, Mondays were made yeah. for Brandon these days. You have a name. Your, your name could be a beer, Brandon Weikert. Sounds like Henry Weinhardt. <laughs> you know, Brandon Weikert. Weikert. Brow. Yeah. Weikert Brow. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a Weikert. Yeah. I'll have a Brandon Weikert. <laughs> never, never fills you up and never lets you down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our graver business frowns on this level. It's levity. Weikert time. Yes, it's Weikert time. It's Brandon time. Um, all right, brother. Uh, let's get to it. I don't know. Uh, I have so much to say. Um, let me start here. Let me start here because this will open you up any way you want to go. 
If you stand for one proposition with the goings-on vis-a-vis Iran that I have been able to divine from our conversations with each other and certainly your posts on Twix, what you favor is deterrence without escalation. That's a nice title for, uh, I think, um, a learned essay you could write, but I think it represents your view. I'm quoting you, deterrence without escalation. Yes, yes. Go or, with that or, thought. And deterrence, deterrence with, um, you know, grad, graduated or graded fair uh, or limited escalation. But fair yes, enough. I think that's a fair way of saying All yes. right. Take it any direction you want. What does that mean? Yeah, well, what that means basically is, look, we all know Iran is the problem here. The problem for us is the Lindsey Graham approach of, well, bomb Iran – um, the issue is directly attacking Iran, whether it's bombing or, God forbid, invasion. The issue then becomes, if you break it, you own it. And if we thought that Iraq, rebuilding Iraq after breaking it, was a failure, wait until you take a country like Iran that's twice the size, double the population, and even more institutional problems. Uh, you know, you do not want to, that's the last, that is the last resort, is attacking Iran directly. What you want to do is you want to replicate the strategy that worked against the Soviet Union. This is a, the Iranian revolutionary, or excuse me, the Islamic Republic of Iran, is the closest thing to the Soviet Union in terms of its government structure, how it views the world, how it operates with support of terrorism and unconventional warfare. They are a microcosm of the Soviet Union. And the, the policy we used against the Soviet Union was not let's bomb and attack the Soviet Union directly. The policy was we're going to surround the Soviet Union with fellow allies who will do the heavy lifting and who will contain the, the Soviets for us. And in the meanwhile, we kind of coalesce everybody. and We're like the head coach, and we, we kind of ensure global deterrence and containment. That's what we need to do with the Israelis and the Sunni Arabs, notably the Saudis. And now, now with Pakistan being attacked by Iran, I think we might even be able to loop in, as troubling as they are, the Pakistanis in this alliance. So we can really contain and cordon off Iran from the wider region. And then what we should be doing with our military power is blitzing the bejesus out of the Houthis, out of these Shiite militias that are attacking our troops in Iraq and Syria, and telling Hezbollah, if you even think of opening up the second front of Israel, we're going to destroy your, your logistical routes that, that feed you coming in from Iran, and we're going to help Israel to basically destroy you in Lebanon. And that's how you mow the grass, push the Iranians back, and then you build up our regional partners, the Saudis and the Israelis, together so that they can do the heavy daily lifting of continually containing Iran until their people in Iran overthrow the regime, as the Soviet people did to the Soviet Union in the 1990s. Use of allies. Also going after the satellites. That was pretty much the Reagan program. Um, with an element of propaganda, but I think we're beyond that at this point and may not need it, frankly, um, at least when it comes with the Iranian population. That, which is, begs an interest, raises a good question, I suppose. What's your sense, dangerous territory here, I know, but what is your sense of the population of Iran and their happiness with the regime versus their preference to be aligned with American interests? What's your sense Uh, of that? 
Well, one of the reasons we had in 2009 the famous uh, pro-Western green movement, and one of the things that we've seen with the last four years since COVID-19, the, the, the protests against the regime, there's one consistent thread here. The people of Iran, whether they're the conservative type or if they're young liberal types, they don't like being reliant on China and Russia as trading partners. They want to do business with Europe and the Americans. They want to be oriented, particularly the young people, they want to be oriented economically and culturally toward the West, and their regime will not let them. And so this has been a source of continual consternation and continual protest from the people. And then you throw in all of the corruption, and you throw in all of the problems with the regime, and you now have these continual protests. The problem is, is that without any kind of pressure being deployed against in a concerted fashion with our allies against the Iranian regime to sort of prevent them from appealing to the flag by doing these overseas expeditions like they're doing, without that kind of concerted effort, we're going to continually see the failure of the Iranian people to coalesce and overthrow their regime, which is why my containment and deterrent strategy, I think, is the surest way to destroy the Iranian revolution without getting bogged down in another Mideast war. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I, I was always, I, I always thought, and we've discussed this before, that perhaps Barack Obama's greatest foreign policy blunder was the way he reacted to the 09 uprising. That, Absolutely. That, that, you agree? Yeah, that kind of organic pro-Western anti-authoritarian uprising is a very rare thing, and he snuffed it out. Um, he did, even as, yes. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, to side yeah. with the malocracy, even as he decided that he would meddle with other allies' affairs. And, and it was exactly. pretty, pretty palpably uh, verifiable that the movement on the ground in 09 in Iran was, what was if not pro-Western, certainly anti-malocracy and, yes. and, and much more leaning Western than not. Let me take a commercial break. There's so many sure questions thing. I still have for you in thinking all this through. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Follow him on Twitter, X at we the Brandon, if they'll allow you. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We went out with that commercial, Weekends Were Made for Michael. Brandon, did you, I don't know, you're, you're, you're still probably not old enough to, that voice over at the end sounded like John Forsyth, who was the Charlie on Charlie's Angels. It was. Uh, yeah, that is a little, that one is a little bit before my time. Yeah, that would be a little, huh? It was him? Indeed it, it was. It sounded like Charlie talking to the angels. Yeah. You've got excellent ears, so. Well, you know, in the listening business such as I, I am I in the listening or talking business? I guess you can't do one well without doing the other well. I guess I'm in. Actually, my old boss, um, I think it's fair to say, well, anyway, one of my old bosses I did a lot of speech writing for said I'm the best listener he's ever met. And it dawned on me, you know, I've never learned by talking. If you listen, you get smart, you know? <laughs> you yes. can, you can yes. pick up. All right, yeah. Brandon, we're talking Iran. Proxies. Okay. So, um, some years ago, Michael Rubin, you know Michael. Yeah. He said that what people need to understand about what the malocracy, the leadership of the malocracy wants from their juniors, from their subordinates, from their proxies, is they don't 
ask permission to do things. They right. kind of get a sense from the public atmosphere and speeches of what is desired, and they just mm-hmm. act knowing that if they do something wrong, they'll be called to the mat. They get a they they don't really need permission. So when they act in cases like this, whether it was, uh, uh, I think the latest intel is that this was a Hezbollah-related IRGC organization that, that, that launched yes. the attack in Jordan. When they engage in these kinds of acts, it's under the theory that this is what the principal of the school would have wanted, until we hear otherwise. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the Iranians, everything that's happening right now from October 7th, to the Houthis attacking shipping, to what's going on now uh, with these kind of smaller organizations in, in throughout the Middle East, the Shiite crescent, all of that is being done at the direction of Iran. Um, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, if not having operational control, has ultimate authority over the Houthis, yeah, over right. Hamas, I would think. Hezbollah, sure. and all of these other groups. They don't exist without them, sure. And they do they don't the training, exist, not too. Not anymore. Right, right. Not anymore. Right. Maybe 20 years Maybe ago. Maybe 20 but years it, ago. It, in, in 2016, there was that big terrorist convention, for lack of a better term, in Beirut, in which General Qasim Soleimani got the leaders of Hamas and Hezbollah and Fatah together, and they agreed to pull their resources together and to listen and coordinate with the IRGC so that they could initiate the third and what they said was the final intifada against Israel. And that is what we're experiencing today. Um, Brandon, the the rearview mirror, the objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. We have had 150 plus now Iranian-supported attacks against U.S. interests in the last two months. We have seen um, Americans attacked in Iraq, sent to the hospital with traumatic brain injuries as long ago as a week ago. We have seen two American Navy SEALs die trying to intercept illegal Iranian shipments in the Gulf of Aden. Today, three Americans killed with others, as many as maybe 40 or 50, wounded seriously. They take our inaction also as a message, don't they? Yes, yes. And and this is why I have never said we should do nothing in the face of these provocations. In fact, the Iranians are happy when we don't respond. But I also think that we need to be very careful when we go to respond, that we don't end up making a bigger mess of the situation uh, than it currently is. And, And especially with Biden in charge, I really don't trust this guy to do the right thing or to, you know, sort of handle this thing in a reasonable manner. And so I advocate for hitting the proxies and doing diplomatic and economic sanctions against, uh, you know, Iran and then letting our allies in the region take the lead in terms of, you know, what to do next against Iran directly. The, um, I, uh... Are there things that could go directly that you would advise should be taken directly against Iran that are not involving its own physical property? I saw someone smart, but maybe wrong, um, suggest that maybe we put – maybe this was in the editorial of the Wall Street Journal today – that we put the Albors in the Red Sea on the bottom of the seafloor. 
Uh, I think is, that's fine. Okay. I think I think kind of nibbling around the edges in this case, working our way toward the center, mm-hmm. might be the best thing we can do. The reason is this: for for the Trump type Abraham Accord plus maximum strategy approach to work, yeah. you've got to basically, and I'm mixing metaphors here, okay. so forgive me, Sorry. but you're you're basically going to have to do what the Israelis refer to as mowing the grass. Yeah. You basically want to cut back as much of these tentacles from Iran as possible. Iran was loosed from its containment really when George W. Bush invaded Iraq, and it's been let loose ever since. And so what we need to do, the first thing, is cut off the tentacles that have grown beyond the box so that there's just the beast in the box, and then to slam that box closed and have our friends, the Israelis and the Sunnis, sit on top of the box and keep compressing with us in the background, making sure the, the, the monster doesn't get out again and slowly strangulate it until the people of Iran overthrow the regime and it can no longer operate the way that the Soviets did. But if we go in and do what Lindsey Graham is saying, it may feel cathartic in the moment. And a lot of my buddies in the military are, are thinking I'm crazy for saying this because they want to go in and destroy uh, Tehran. The problem is, we need to understand in the Middle East, if you break it, you're going to yeah. own it. And if there's one thing this country doesn't do very well, it's rebuilding societies, especially no, in the Middle East. No, we don't end these wars well at all. I give you Iraq. At all. I give you Afghanistan. I give you Vietnam. Exactly. Uh, uh, but the history, is it fair to say the history of our relationship with post-1979 Iran is that when we act, and we really only have a few examples, uh, Reagan a little bit, Trump a right. little bit, when we right. act, we can put the quietus on them. When we don't act, yes. they just keep going like the Energizer right. Bunny. Right, and I think that Reagan, uh, I think it was during his administration when we had the tanker war, I think that... There that was Operation great, Praying Mantis, we yes, ended, yeah, I all that. I think that's a great model to follow, yeah. because what we, we didn't attack Iran. We said, you know what, Iran? You're going to be left right. alone. But all of your little tentacles that are affecting yeah. everything around right. you, right. we're going to chop those off. Right. And right. for a while, Iran behaved after that. Yeah, yeah. To a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, to a point. You, you, yes, okay. So you end the, 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 the Mets or the metastases. Um, yes. and, and hope that the cancer eats itself. Let me take a commercial break, Brandon White. Sure, uh, yeah, am I mixing metaphors, or did I keep that one straight? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think I kept that one straight. <laughs> Brandon Weikert will be, and I will be right back, among his many books, uh, the one most pertinent for our purposes today, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, um, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Brandon, um, on Iran, I, I do want to do China with you. Maybe in the next segment we'll get to that. I have a few questions there. But with regard to Iran, um, I'm seeing something on the other side of Lindsey Graham, perhaps the polar opposite a bit on social media. I suspect you know some of what I'm speaking of when I see an element of our party, not a quiet element, and not an anonymous element of our movement, maybe is the better way to put it, almost suggesting that it's all our fault and suggesting that we do absolutely nothing. Indeed, if we do anything, 
It's to retreat further from the Middle East and abroad. You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I think it's dangerous. Uh, I think it's sick. I think it's dangerous, too, and I think it's sick. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not on board with invading the Middle East as no we one did said, Yes, I, as I said, it's, yes. And, it's, if if and Lindsey Graham is on that, one extreme, there right, is a mirror reflecting that, him. Yeah. Right, and I think it's legitimate for that group on the right to be skeptical about further, greater American military involvement in the region. At the same time, they are taking a um, much more radical approach. Um, the, 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 the idea that we're just going to abandon the region or that we're going to, you know, that it's our fault. None of this is There's our a fault. lot of blame America first here that I used there to is. thought we applied to the other side. Yeah, and and it, there is, and there's no doubt that we've made our share of mistakes sure. in the Middle East, sure. which is why I'm advocating... <laughs> yeah. Freeing up billions policy. of dollars to the malocracy might have been one of them, yeah. Right, right, but the idea, and, and by the way, in my book I show the history of the Iran Revolution, it did not come about because of our role in the 1953 coup. Uh, that is that one is of the biggest lie. lies, I, my God, the idea lie. that has this... Yes, go yes. on, sorry. And so there there are people now on our side who are kind yep. of taking up They're that They're buying line, into that, too. I and know. it's wrong. Right. Right. It's wrong. And right. so we can get into that later, but it's, it's very wrong. So, you know, our side, some of them going extreme, and I say this as somebody who likes... You know some of what they say, mm-hmm. uh, but but on this issue they are off the reservation, and uh, I think that the solution is found in Trump's policies. Is what, what I've been talking about this entire episode, which is build up your regional allies, dance with the ones who brung you, don't hit Saudi Arabia and Israel over mythical human rights issues, don't try to you know distance yourself from those groups in favor of trying to make nice with the mad mullahs in Iran. You got to build up your friends, and you got to encourage them to work together to contain their shared threat, which is Iran. It's a threat that we have as well, but of course we have other fish to fry. So if we can get capable, willing partners on the ground to do most of the heavy lifting on this one, all the better. And it's it's not going to be achieved if America is seen as as basically hitting the chicken switch and abandoning the region because we're abandoning the region. Then not only to Iran, but more importantly to Iran's benefactors in China and Russia. As we take the boots off the ground, we'll be shooting ourselves in the head. Young David, my producer, David, do you still have that audio of that interview Richard Nixon did with Barbara Walters? I could probably find it. If you could find it, let me know how long it is, because it, Brandon, it was, um, it it was an interview Nixon did circa 1979. um, That kind of adumbrated the whole Kirkpatrick thesis that we mm-hmm. err by trying to find the perfect and making it the enemy right. of the good. That is right. to say, because you, is it two minutes? Well, I don't know. I won't waste Brandon's time with it. But you take Brandon knows the thesis. You, well, well, and I'll just l- add, let me take I'll the just, break and we'll come back. Yeah. We'll pick up on the thesis okay. when we come right back. I still have time. How much time do I have? Did About I, a minute, thirty. I, I have okay, Brandon. I'm sorry. Go ahead with the thesis. <laughs> I lost my clock. Go ahead. All I was going to say yeah. is that 
as we have learned with people like Bob Malley, yeah. and now we're hearing about the head of the NSC, one oh of these NSC gosh. directors, yeah. who's who was part of the UN Human Rights Watch group, which over 140 now of its members have been proven to have to partaken and assisted Hamas in the October 7th terrorist attack. Right. I think one of the reasons you've seen the Biden administration take the anti-Israel, anti-Saudi policies is because senior national security members of the Biden administration are literally paid agents of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Wow. So okay. we now have the, the foxes guarding the hen house, and this is exactly what Obama did during the Arab Spring when he hired Muslim Brotherhood members That's to right. advise his National Security Council right. on how to handle the Arab Spring, and we know how that turned out. It was an Islamist winner. Yeah, we just want an American foreign policy based on American interests and our allies. Is that so bad? We'll be right back. Now you're allowed to take a break. Okay. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Brandon Weichert is our guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. In case you want to follow him on Twix, Twitter X, he's at We the Brandon. And if you want to buy his beer... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just order a Weikert and see what happens. It, sounds, it just sounds like a beer name. I'll it have, does the, the Weikert brow. I'll have yeah. I'll have I'll have a Henry Weinhart and a Brandon Weikert. <laughs> Let me give you some whiplash just because a smart listener, caller of ours, and fan of yours wrote it to me with regard to China. Can I do it? Can I just give you a little whiplash? Yeah. There? it's a smart email. I recently heard Larry Arn on Hugh Hewitt's show state that China makes parts for our new subs and that they do not send them to us in the quantity needed to build the number of subs we have in the budget. Given that in the age of hypersonic missile surface ships could very well be nothing but large, slow targets, making submarines paramount, how is it possible that we are dependent on China for submarine parts? Is it true that we get submarine parts from China? If so, does this give them knowledge about how our subs are made? If this is true, is anyone working on reversing this obvious insanity? So I don't know specifically about the submarine issue. It would not surprise me. I know a lot of our aircraft components, particularly from Boeing, are coming in or used to come in until very recently from China. In fact, it's so bad that I think it was the president of either Lockheed or Boeing, one of the U.S. defense contractors in June of last year, made a comment to the Wall Street Journal, a very derisive comment, when they brought up all the rising tension with China. He basically said, you, you think we're going to be able to go to war with the group that gives us 60% of our defense supplies? And that's pretty much across the board where we're at. We are not in a good spot in terms of being the masters of our own material anymore, which is ironic, given 80 years ago, we were literally the arsenal of democracy. We're not. Now China has taken it from us, and they're now the arsenal of autocracy. And they're using it in the same way that we used it in World War II. They're using it against us. And and not only that, they have for for years reported on this at the Washington Times and the Washington Free Beacon. China has any kind of schematic or plan for a ship or an airplane or whatever, any missile system, weapon system, if it's stored on a hard drive, even if it's air-gapped, the Chinese have proven they can hack it, and they have been basically stealing the entire you know, defense apparatus's secret plans 
for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so there's this notion that, well, whatever we've got in the bag, they don't even know about. Mm -hmm. They know about, and if they haven't reverse engineered it, they know enough about it where they can kind of create workarounds and they can create uh, defenses that can destroy these new that we've been spending billions, if not trillions of dollars on. So this is a nightmare scenario. Uh, Brandon, um, let me thank you for that. Let me go back to Iran. With the fact we just learned that 50 in this fiscal year, 2024, in this fiscal year, we have uh, had uh, 50 interactions at our southern border with designees on the terrorism watch list. How concerned are you about Iranian or other terrorist cells that have flown in, flowed in through the through the border that could be activated were we to engage abroad? Um, it, they will be activated. And, um, you know, I've been talking about this for two years now, and I think I've talked to you about this yes. before, but I'll say it again. Yeah. In 2022, November, we Mossad in, intercepted um, information that um, Iran was shipping uranium to the Houthis, mm-hmm. and that that shipment was intercepted by al-Qaeda in Yemen. So al-Qaeda probably has Iranian-built uranium. On top of that, um, the Iranians then were caught December of 2022 shipping uh, uranium to Heathrow Airport, where it was believed they would be received by Hezbollah agents. It was intercepted by Heathrow authorities. Um, But that's just two instances of what I think is a much larger program of moving Iranian nuclear materials around the world concluding through our broken southwestern border into the waiting arms of covert agents like Hezbollah and IRGC members who have prepositioned themselves in our cities where they are building these dirty bombs uh, with the idea that they will detonate them upon the beginning of direct hostilities with Iran, which is another reason why I think we should avoid um, trying to just go after Iran directly militarily. Let's work on the policy that I've been talking about. Um. What is your sense? I mean, and you see a lot of this. I think some of it's a little overblown, but it's probably closer to the to the line than not. What is your sense of Nikki Haley's version of this versus Donald Trump's? Well, Nikki Haley is George W. Bush in drag. I think she's proven this. Uh, She sounds like she wants to, you know, basically re-implement the the worst excesses of the Bush doctrine, which doesn't work in that region. Um, you know, it's sort of the old Star Wars. The more we, we uh, increase our grip, the more these countries slip through our fingers. The idea is to have the locals do the heavy yeah, lifting. Yeah. And in so doing, the Trump approach works better. Yeah. And the Trump approach is not, I mean, I have news for the Trump supporters who are a part of the group that I said earlier saddened me. The Trump approach is not doing nothing. I remind that he fired a lot of hellfires into Syria, and he certainly took out Qasem Soleimani. Well, Trump was actually very Nixonian, and this is why I love him, because Nixon is my favorite president. Really? uh, You know, he is. I love Nixon. Uh, Nixon, Nixon, and Nixon, he existed in a time of relative American weakness, and rather than give up and go home, he figured out a way to keep American power competitive with the Soviets and the Chinese, and he did it not necessarily through always going to war. He did it in very, very judicious, responsible ways that actually put America on the path 
for when Reagan took over for him to be able to defeat the Soviets bloodlessly. We can't have Reagan without Nixon. I understand uh, that point. So that's yeah, how, yeah, that's how I understand Trump. Trump, Trump did not say I'm a I'm an isolationist. He said let's try to figure out a non-military solution, a calibrated solution of protecting U.S. interests in the Middle East without getting us bogged down in another Middle East war. Yeah. And he did it. And he did it. That's his legacy in the Middle East. And he it actually, the, and he put the quietest on Iran. He stopped him. Right. And yep. actually, it's his most successful legacy, I think, of of, of all of his policies. Ironically. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, in a better world, in a better world, he would deserve a peace prize for what he accomplished in the Mideast. Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because he's Orange Man yeah. in the White House, right. they won't give it to him. No, they'll give it to someone who created fire in the Middle East. Right. Lit right. the fire in the Middle East, relit it, reignited it. Brandon White walked away and walked away. I love uh, having you, and I, uh, I, I just thank you for everything. Uh, follow him at We the Brandon if they let you, and get his books. <laughs> Most recently, Shadow War: Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Thank you for everything, Brandon. Thank you. Talk to you. I'll soon. have you. I'll have Young David send you this Nixon audio. You'll love it. He'll awesome. email it to you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Be good. I am Seth, and I will be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Peace of mind in that there's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees and you're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Check them out at YRefi. Check out YRefi online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. Hugh Hewitt calls him the old man. Should we listen to the old man? David Dahl and Brandon Weikert's favorite president, Barbara Walters, 1979 criticized for abandoning friends like the Shah, uh, whom you strongly supported, and you've criticized our abandoning him. But isn't the danger just as great in sticking with regimes that have lost the support of their people, like the Shah, like Somoza, like Ian Smith? Again and again, it's it said that we, we back despots and dictators. I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, what you have to understand is that the choice was never between the Shah and somebody better, but between the Shah and somebody infinitely worse. Well, we don't know and that in the beginning. To, well, the point is, if we didn't know it at the beginning, we'd better know it now. We have friends all over the world like the Shah, and we have friends, for example, in Saudi Arabia at the present time. Uh, because that government happens to be corrupt, it is claimed, are we going to abandon them? Let's take China, for example. Because China is more Stalinist than the Soviet Union, are we going to say that we're going to abandon them? No. But don't we ever say this man is no good for this country, this man is a dictator, this man is a despot, and maybe it could be better? Or do we automatically yeah. assume it won't be? We do not automatically assume anything. We have to use our influence and use it effectively. But it's got to be used with a rifle rather than a shotgun, and we must not jump from the frying pan into the fire. Uh, it was a great mistake to do what we did to the Shah, and if that had not happened, we wouldn't have the hostage situation today. If the United States doesn't stand up for its friends, we're not going to have friends. That's true of the Shah. It's true of others as well. The choice is not a good one many times. Uh, the choice is between, however, for example, you, when you really equate the Shah with some of the others, I'm really surprised because the choice is between one who is a friend of the United States, whatever may be his failings, and one who is an enemy. 
one who tries to export his revolution and one who is trying to at least uh, not threaten his, uh, uh, his neighbors. Uh, one who allows, as the Shah did, as you very well know, who allows some human rights, who allows some political rights, and have, does allow economic rights, and another regime that allows none. I would say there's no question about which side I come down on there. And the same is true of Samosa, the same is true of some of the others as well. I don't approve of some of them, but I would say I prefer some rights rather than none, and that's the choice that we have to face up to, or the United States is going to cease to be a great power. Or, as uh, Shakespeare put it in King Lear, you can't um, say this is the worst if you can say this is the worst. Thank you, young David, on behalf of Bill and Terry and uh, myself. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Leibson. God bless you all, and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>